Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 10. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that you shall come to Gebeah Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gebeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servants, Where did you go? And he said to seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all calamities and your distress, and you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of Matarites was taken by Lot. 
And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him who the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gebeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. In this section of scripture, we see Saul being anointed as king over Israel. All subsequent kings in Israel experienced the same kind of anointing, and the word anointed one comes to refer to those that are king over Israel. The Hebrew word for anointed one is Messiah. That's the word that was used to anticipate the coming of a king from God that would set everything right. And as we learned in the New Testament, that king is Jesus. But we also are told in the New Testament that all Christians are anointed by God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 22, Paul writes, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So as Saul is anointed as king, there may be things that we can see in here that help us to understand what our lives should be like as one of God's anointed. One of the first things we see here is that being God's anointed means that we have decided to work with God. Not that he needs us or not that we earn anything as a result of it, but he's called us to that work and we trust him and his power. And so we join him in whatever he's called us to do. That's what we see here in Saul's life. A man who just a few days earlier was looking for donkeys is now being told that he'll join a group of prophets and be the king over Israel. And we need to be aware that trusting God's power will change us. In verse 9, we're told that when Saul turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. The Spirit of God will make us a brand new person. If we allow him to anoint us and we join him in his work, he will change, transform us into a different kind of person. And those different kind of people are led by the Spirit of God. We see Saul experience that throughout this chapter. We read about it in the New Testament that Christians are to be a Spirit-led people. And when the Spirit leads us, we will find the work that God wants us to do. Samuel tells Saul in verse 7, Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. When we in our lives find the work that God wants us to do, it lines up with the things that he's already told us. We know that we should be doing them. We should do that work no matter how we feel or what others might think. Saul in this story is very apprehensive about all the new changes, but the command to him is to do the work God has called him to do. Others even mock him seemingly as he is one of the prophets, but that couldn't deter Saul from doing what God wanted him to do. And the same thing is true for us. 
to make a stand for what's right, to not belittle and demean people who disagree with us, to not actively seek revenge or set things right on our own terms, to stand up and speak a kind word for someone who's been mean to us or maybe even done evil to us. It can be difficult. It may not be what we're feeling is right. We may even get mocked for being weak, but it's the kind of person God has called us to be. So that whenever we find ourselves in any kind of disagreement, we can react with gentleness and respect and trust God to set things right. And that applies to any circumstance where God has called us to do something that we're not comfortable with or afraid of what others might think. But as God's anointed, having decided to join him in his work, we absolutely have to trust his power to change us. But we also need to be willing to lose the baggage that comes with our previous life. There's a moment in this story that's almost comical as Saul is found hiding underneath the baggage that people had brought as they assembled together to anoint their new king. The very man they're looking for to lead them and to be strong is hiding underneath their suitcases. For us, though, we know that very often when we come to Christ and become one of his anointed, we're buried under a lot of our own baggage. It may be emotional baggage rather than literal baggage, but we're carrying things that could get in our way of completing what God wants us to do, experiencing the transformation that God wants us to experience. We have to be willing to let go of that baggage, to come out from under it and let God take it away and shape us and mold us into the people that he wants us to be. We can't be defined by that baggage. We can't hang on to it. We need to be willing to let it go. In having all of these experiences with God, we come to know him better. And the better we know God, the easier it is for us to make decisions that align with his will. Here Saul is given all the information that he needs about God and his desire for him, and he knows what he needs to do. His decisions are made for him in advance. He certainly has a choice to reject those. We see that when he hides in the baggage. But but when his hiding place is revealed, when he's exposed, he realizes that his best option is to give in to the will of God. I know many of us can struggle with knowing what God wants us to do. We'll even say prayers and tell folks that we're waiting on God or that we've turned it over to God. But even though that's the approach we may have taken, it may not be the appropriate one. Our circumstances may be more like Saul's, where he was given information in advance. He already knew what he needed to do. He just had to choose to do it. A word from God had come to Saul through Samuel. We have access to God's words in Scripture. We can compare our circumstance to things that God has already revealed, things that God has already told us, and choose to do the things he's called us to rather than the thing we're hoping he'll let us do. We can also see God at work in our circumstances. For Saul, as he saw things unfolding, those circumstances let him know what he needed to do next. At one point, those circumstances get overwhelming for him and he tries to hide, but God finds him and empowers him to do exactly the things that he's called him to do. Our circumstances will lead us in the right direction if we handle those circumstances the way that God's told us to. We saw in the last chapter, and we also see it here, that God puts people in our lives to help us make the right decisions and know what to do. Here he has Samuel. He has the congregation of Israel as they cast lots, and the lot falls on him. People are letting him know what God wants him to do. 
If we are God's anointed, that means that we've decided to work with him. We need to be willing to do that regardless of what we feel like it will cost us personally. We need to let go of all of our emotional baggage and get to know God so that deciding his will is easier. We need to be willing to align our circumstances and what others are telling us to what God has already revealed and take appropriate action. But that can be difficult to maintain over time. So here are a couple of suggestions for helping us maintain those attitudes and actions that reflect our anointing. One is we've got to be willing to consecrate all of our efforts to God. Everything that we're doing needs to be for Him, not for our own selfish indulgence, not in an attempt to lift ourselves up in the eyes of others, but to honor God and to show His glory. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. If we're making plans that are consistent with God's will, they will happen. A second thing is to make sure that we're surrounded by godly people. It was easy for Saul to be a part of this band of prophets and to prophesy, even though he was being mocked, when he was surrounded by other prophets. It's when he took himself out of that group and stands up before the rest of Israel that he starts to have doubts, that he starts to become insecure. Surrounding ourselves with godly people will help us maintain actions and attitudes consistent with our anointing. So often our unwillingness to work with God or to do the work that God has given us to do is because we're worried about what others will think or how they'll treat us or how it will affect how we're seen by others. But we need to remember that we'll never please everyone, so we should please God. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.